Well, hello, everyone. This is JB with NBW Ministries, proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message from my humble studio nestled somewhere within the tall timbers of Colorado. Thank you so much for joining us. It is Tuesday, October the 24th, 2023. And as I mentioned yesterday, this is Israel Week at NBW. And like so many ministries and news outlets, we are focusing on Israel all week long. And I'm so blessed to have uh, a number of just top-notch Bible prophecy experts and experts on Israel. And our guest today is really at the top of that list. Uh, Many of you may know Dr. Randall Price, a World of the Bible Ministries, uh, Liberty University. I'll have him tell us a little bit more about his background when we bring him on here in a moment. But today we're going to be talking about God's plan for Israel's future and just how what's happening today uh, really shouldn't surprise us. And yet, uh, he's going to give us some insights just from uh, his more than 100 trips to Israel uh, and his, his time that he spent studying there at Hebrew University and doing uh, you know uh, archaeological work and so forth. So I can't think of anyone better really to uh, kind of give us uh, some insight into uh, the geopolitical aspects of what's going on over there from a biblical point of view. So I'll bring Dr. Price on here in uh, just a moment. A couple of quick announcements before we look at a passage of Scripture to kind of set the stage for our discussion. Uh, don't forget, uh, tonight is our a premium membership live Zoom meeting, a Q&A for those of you that are premium members. It's not too late to sign up for that, by the way. If you just go to notbyworks.org and click on the store, you'll see one of the options there is to purchase our premium membership. It's a small monthly fee. Or you can also sign up for an annual membership. You can cancel at any time. But we do a number of things that are unique just for our premier members, one of which is these occasional Zoom sessions uh, when uh, we are going to be taking your questions, kind of giving you some insights. But another thing that premier members have access to is a lot of exclusive content. For example, we recently started posting my conference slides in PDF. So if you've been to any of my conferences or watched them online and you were kind of curious about some of the the slides and and graphics that you see on the screen, you'll have access to all of those uh, and several other uh, new information and content videos and PDFs and things like that. So check out the Premier Membership option. And then, of course, as always, anyone can access the free section of our online store. And we posted just uh, Sunday a couple of new documents on the doctrine of separation that I've written that I think would be very timely for such a time as this when our culture is drifting so far from its uh, biblical moorings. Uh, So don't forget, yesterday we had Tom Hughes on. We talked about why Israel matters. uh, That's been posted, and he's reposted it, so you can watch it either on his site or ours. Uh, Today, as I mentioned, we've got Dr. Randall Price. Tomorrow's our uh, World Events Update with Randy. And then Thursday, we return to our Israel guest with Bill Salas talking about Israel's enemies. And then Friday, we've got John Haller about what happens next for Israel. And then Saturday this week, we've got a special weekend podcast. As promised, I'm going to be bringing my good friends Shane and Randy on the podcast at the same time to talk about technology and warfare. So that's the rundown for this week. Uh, I hope you'll make plans to listen to as many of those podcasts uh, as you can. But I want us to take a look at Psalm 72 uh, today as we bring get ready to bring uh, Dr. Price on. Psalm 72 is uh, one of those unique psalms, one of only two psalms in the Bible attributed to Solomon. It's what we call a royal psalm. It anticipates the earthly rule and reign of Jesus Christ in the future millennial uh, phase of the kingdom. 
fantastic psalm. I wish we had time to look at every single verse and just comment on it. It's about 20 verses. But uh, Isaac Watts, that great hymn writer of old, he said uh, that, uh, that he wrote the, the, the hymn, Jesus Shall Reign, uh, while meditating on this psalm. So at a time when Israel is under siege and facing threats from enemies, it's good to remember that God has a plan for Israel. He has a future for Israel uh, when they will be uh, their Messiah and our Savior, Jesus Christ, will be ruling and reigning in perfect peace, righteousness, and judgment. So just a couple of verses from Psalm 72. Again, a royal psalm written by Solomon. Solomon writes in verse 5, they shall fear you as long as the sun and the moon endure throughout all generations. You know, we talked yesterday in Jeremiah about how uh, God promises that his con- His promises to Israel are unconditional, and as long as you can see the sun, moon, and stars in the heavens, you know that uh, Israel still has a future. And now he's making the same analogy uh, to remind us that God is to be feared. And he also says in verse 7 that in the days of his kingdom, and in his days, he says, talking about his kingdom, the righteous shall flourish and abundance of peace until the moon is no more. He says, he shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. His enemies will lick dust. Boy, that one really uh, struck a chord with me, especially seeing how evil and ferocious and just horrific the things that Hamas is doing right now uh, to the innocent Israelis. And, uh, you know, that that phrase, will lick the dust, is just a way of expressing the fact that they're going to be humiliated. They're going to face incredible subjection to Almighty God someday, and we pray that that day hastens. Verse 11 says, all kings shall fall down before him, all nations shall serve him. Praise the Lord. What a day that will be. Of course, if you've been following my ministry for many years, you know that I uh, do a lot of teaching on the Luciferian conspiracy and Satan's earthly accomplices who are seeking to usher in a one-world system politically, religiously, and economically, which will be ruled ultimately by the Antichrist and false prophet. Uh, but one day, all of those kings that King David, Solomon's father, talked about in Psalm 2, all of them will fall down and worship and serve the King of kings and Lord of lords. Verse 17, his name shall endure forever. His name shall continue as long as the sun <laughs> Again, you see that reference to the ordinances in the sky. And men shall be blessed in him. All nations shall call him blessed. And then verses 18 and 19, blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who does wondrous things and blessed be his glorious name forever. Let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Well, uh, Dr. Price, I know that uh, psalm resonates with you. Uh, nobody uh, really has a special place in the heart for Israel as, as you do. I've learned so much from you uh, through the years. Thanks for joining us today. But as we read that psalm, we're not there yet, are we? We're not in that kingdom age just yet, are we? No, now we're hearing people talk about from the river to the sea. <clears throat> That's the, the protesters <clears throat> for Hamas and Palestinians are saying that. But this psalm reminds us that He's not limited from the river to the sea, but from the river to the ends of the earth. Mm, amen. So what's the difference between the uh, juxtaposing for power and the uh, desire to have limited territory here? That he is a sovereign God over all the earth. And when the, his millennial reign comes, he will be king of kings and lords of lords. Amen. Well, tell us a little bit about your background, just for those who may not be familiar with your work. Well, let's see. I. Um, to Dallas Theological Seminary. I got a THM there in uh, Old Testament studies. 
I went on to get a PhD in Middle Eastern studies, which allowed me to also have some kind of understanding of the modern context, as well as the prophetic one. Uh, spent uh, a year in graduate studies at the Hebrew University in Jerusalem. Also got the honor of teaching at Hebrew University last year. Uh, a lot of my area of expertise has been in the area of biblical archaeology. Uh, I've worked for almost 30 years now in Israel uh, doing field excavation as well as writing and publishing in that area, particularly the area of Qumran, which is where the Dead Sea Scrolls came from. But I have a ministry called World of the Bible Ministries, uh, very much like what uh, um, J.B. has here. Our ministry deals with the past, present, and prophetic world of the Bible, uh, all three aspects, the past being the archaeological, the present being the conflicted uh, modern situation, and then the prophetic uh, dealing with uh, where things are headed. So try to cover all of that as best I can and fill in the gaps where others can't. Amen. Well, so as you talk about the past, um, talk to us about modern Israel and what what has been happening since 1948 and why there there is such constant conflict over there in uh, that area of the Middle East. Well, of course, it started before 1948, starting when you had the 400 years of Ottoman Empire, that uh, in just simply that and with the what happened in this, uh, let's say, the 17th century, moving into the 18th century, the, the rise of Wahhabi Islam uh, that, that found its origin um, and protectorate in Saudi Arabia. But uh, the Ottoman Empire embraced that uh, in a Sunni uh, Islamic way. What that did was begin to spread this revolutionary type of jihad and um, uh, Islamic dominance for the world uh, throughout the area. And that uh, came to a climax with the First World War, uh, when Turkey came on the wrong side of Germany and lost its territory that was divided between the French and the British uh, in terms of Iraq and Iran and uh, Jordan and Israel and uh, some of those. Yeah, so primarily, um, Great Britain got control of that area tried to do what they called a mandate, that is trying, as their their opinion was, uh, they weren't ready to exercise sovereignty, so they would be kind of in a mandate state, uh, growing and coming to a place where they'd be able to have uh, their own uh, state in time. But because of things that had begun in the First World War that was aiming us toward the Second World War, uh, the British favored the Arabs, or more of them. Uh, they saw them is having more of an opportunity to succeed in the Middle East. And so uh, they joined and supported them, which led ultimately to uh, a number of factions that caused the British to withdraw from Israel, and then the UN to give uh, Israel uh, basically uh, independence. Uh, voted for that, which is what Israel was already going to do. They declared a state. And immediately, all of the Islamic world around them began to attack uh, with the understanding that now they created an illegitimate state within the Sea of Islam, needed to be excised uh, for greater Arab unity. And that's only led us to where we are today. Uh, one group of uh, Sunni Muslims, which uh, are 
uh, Wahhabi Islam, which is the most fierce, radical, violent death cult uh, that you can find, uh, became the Palestinians. The Palestinians originally uh, were the Jews back before 48. Uh, anybody who was in the land of Palestine, which was the name the Romans gave um, and history gave in, in the modern period to the land of Israel, uh, were Palestinians, but there is primarily the Jews. The Arabs at that point said, don't call us Palestinians. That's not who we are. That's the Jews. Uh, that changed when Israel became a state. Now you had Israeli Jews and you had Israeli Arabs uh, who were formerly Palestinian Arabs and Palestinian Jews. And so now we have Palestine as a separate uh, name available of uh, whoever was living in the land, which came from as many as 100 different nationalities, uh, brought in early on because they were looking for better employment, jobs, uh, still squatting on land of uh, their Turkish overlords from the uh, time under the um, Turkish Ottoman control. And uh, so that is what formed the modern Palestinians when um, others helped them develop in this more... Uh, jihadic, um, they call it resistance, but they, what they mean by resistance is they mean um, terrorism. That's the only term we can understand by it. Uh, they basically formed into two groups, Fatah, um, which was under the control of Yasser Arafat, the former Palestine Liberation Organization, uh, with that same motto, from the river to the sea. In other words, between the river uh, Jordan and the sea, the Mediterranean, the only uh, people who inhabited that land uh, were the Jews. That was the state of Israel. It meant to remove that state uh, by annihilation. That's what it was called for. It was a more radical group, um, if we can think of it that way, in practice, not in ideology. The ideology, they're exactly the same, which is why you haven't seen uh, Fatah condemn Hamas to this day. But um, uh, so Hamas, an acronym for the Islamic resistance movement, uh, developed uh, in, in different areas, uh, but it was always backed by Iran. Hezbollah is backed by Iran. Uh, the Houthis down in Yemen are backed by Iran. All, all these groups are Iranian-based because that has, in our day, become uh, the center of the more violent uh, type of Islam, even though it is still officially held and generated from Saudi Arabia. Uh, when you look at uh, what happened um, in 1948, uh, the Gaza Strip was under the control of Egypt, just as uh, in the north, the Golan Heights were under the control of Syria, and, and the West Bank was under the control of Jordan. But in 40, in 67, that changed with the Six-Day War, and now the Gaza Strip uh, came under Israeli control, as did the Golan Heights and the West Bank. Uh, not recognized by the rest of the world, largely. Uh, it, it is considered disputed territory. Uh, because of ongoing conflicts and things that happened, it was necessary uh, under Errol Sharon uh, to find a way around giving up Jerusalem. Uh, they, they wanted to have a final status negotiation on Jerusalem. That just was not acceptable. So he withdrew... Uh, the Israeli settlers all control from the Gaza Strip. Uh, really, with settlers kicking and screaming as the Israeli army dragged them out. And it was completely turned over to Palestinian control. 
Well, this was Fatah. But then Hamas came in. Um, I, I was in the country at the time when this happened. I saw Fatah leaders on the television uh, crying out that they were being systematically murdered. And what they were doing, they were being thrown off of buildings and out of, out of uh, all kinds of places. And so Hamas drove Fatah out. They had an election, and and this is this is a supposedly democratic election across all of the Palestinian peoples, and they voted uh, in Hamas as the official government of, of Palestine. Mm-hmm. Uh, problem with that is that Hamas has always been a terrorist organization, could be recognized by the United States. That's why we negotiated only with someone like Fatah, who really had no power. Uh, no representation among the Palestinian people. Uh, so when you hear that, so in 2005, when this withdrawal happened, uh, it came completely under the control of Hamas. Uh, everything between now and then, uh, the citizens of Gaza, the 2.5 million citizens, uh, they've been strictly under this control. Uh, everything that has happened in the country is their responsibility. Um, when you think of Islam worldwide, you have the Jazeera tax, which means that everybody, uh, as one of the five pillars of Islam, has to contribute to the charitable needs of other Muslims. Uh, given the size of Islam, given what's going on, you shouldn't have had a poor Muslim in the world. <laughs> but as well, all of the funds that are given and the aid given by the United States in billions and billions of dollars, uh, and by the Israelis, too. To, to, to an extent to help uh, has all gone into the leadership, which is a corrupt leadership, has been used uh, since almost the day after uh, Hamas took control of Gaza uh, to be sent back to the Israelis in form of missiles, the um, Katusha rockets and all that. And it's been habitual. So thousands and thousands and thousands of rockets sent over the last 12 years or more in, into Israel with uh, other skirmishes. So this is simply uh, in keeping with that. But uh, as most people know, dates are very significant in the Islamic world. So this attack came on the 50th anniversary of the Yom Kippur War, which was another surprise attack on Israel. Uh, another attack in which Israel had uh, foreknowledge. Uh, uh, Golda Meir knew about this, but chose not to act on it for a belief that it just simply would not happen uh, and because it's the most solemn holiday of the year. Uh, in this case, uh, a similar uh, type of thing. It was the end of the high holidays, uh, all of them, Yom Kippur falling through uh, Sukkot or the Feast of Tabernacles. And the last day is uh, a day of special uh resting and rejoicing over the Torah, considered Torah, when Moses brought the tablets of the law down from Mount Sinai. And it was also a Shabbat. So all of this combined um, kind of put the, the the state of Israel, even their intelligence and other things, into more of a uh, off-guard position. Now, a lot of people don't want to hear that. They say there's no way that Israel could have not been ready for this. Or, and, and some of that's true. But you have to understand uh, Israel, the mentality. Uh, this is our Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter, everything combined all at once on one day. A uh, chance to, to finally, and, and it had been going on for a month, uh, and finally, you know, 
get the day before you get back to business as usual. Mm. So some of that explains uh, some of what's considered an intelligence failure. But yeah. uh, Hamas took that opportunity and uh, used that as a tactic. It was also uh, the anniversary of Anwar Sadat's assassination by Palestinians. Uh, so that was um, uh, something that was important. And then there are other issues involved. Yeah. Now, let me... Uh... Let me take a moment here to I've written down a few questions that have come to my mind. I don't want to interrupt you uh, because I just could listen to you all day and you, you're you're you've got such an insight into all this. So let me kind of ask several questions or make several comments here and then get you to comment and I can repeat them if you can't remember them all when you get when I give you back the mic here. But uh, first of all, um, the uh, the Golda that Ariel Sharon was was the one of the generals under her, if I recall. Is that right? During the goal, during the seventy six day war, Diane and uh, uh, Errol Shore was one of the generals. Yes, yeah, yeah. And if you watch the movie Golda, uh, he's they're both portrayed in there. Of course, obviously, Golda Meir is. Um, so uh, you know, obviously, what what I'm hearing you say is that this conflict is goes way back to the turn of the century, turn of the twentieth century. Uh, there's you know, Hamas has a long held practice of doing these horrific uh things uh what's interesting if you think about it from a biblical perspective uh about the holy land and 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 our mutual friend andy woods has a slide you probably have one similar you're also an excellent slide guy you love to use illustrations and slides but he has a slide that i've seen several times where he shows the land of israel and then all the muslim lands around it and it's like a sea of blue with one tiny little dot is israel and yet uh the muslims can't be content uh, without getting that last little tiny slice of of real estate. Now, I believe, and I know you guys do too, but biblically, that's because there's something special about that land. It truly is God's land. It's the holy land. It is uh, God is jealous for his land. And so it's not a, a uh, real estate issue that they just want one tiny little more piece of land. It's more of a religious uh, issue and a spiritual uh, issue. Um, now, you talked about the history of, of the term Palestine, uh, one question I have is, is it wrong today when folks use the term uh, Palestine as a geographic reference? Because some t- people get really hung up about that. And I don't think, I mean, I understand why, because today it has become synonymous with the enemy. But uh, from a historical perspective, it's not necessarily wrong to use the term Palestine geographically, is it? Well, we have a problem with it today because Palestine was the land of Israel. Right. There's a little name for it. And today we have a separate entity, not yet a state, not technically a people. They have no distinct language or culture or history. Um, they have, for political reasons and or, let's say, religious reasons too, uh, bound themselves together in opposition to Israel and are being used by other uh, nations uh, to to try to, as shall we say, bring Israel uh, off the map of the Middle East and annihilate it. So you have a Palestinian something, okay, which is not Israel. Right. So when you use the term Palestine today, you by de facto, you're talking about the Palestinian people and organizations and the group that wants to, be, to have a Palestinian state. Who yeah. those even though they're in opposition with each other. 
Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, language uh, you know evolves and it has meaning in its context. That's that's a firm, fundamental rule of hermeneutics. But I guess I was thinking more of uh, some of our. Uh, favorite Bible teachers from Dallas Seminary, where I also attended. I got my THM. And, you know, back in the middle part of the 20th century, you had the likes of, you know, the Walvards and, and Zooks and Pentecosts and people would refer to things like the Palestinian covenant. What they meant was that was a covenant with Israel, between Israel and God, where God promised them a land because that term was a geographic term. Now, I think it's wise these days, obviously, because words change their meaning and so forth over time to avoid it but it's it's not in and of itself a uh, an evil term it does have a historical context well it was originated by shall we say an evil conqueror of the land of israel uh for an evil purpose that is to denigrate israel uh when it was uh, when he was bringing punitive acts against it so we're talking about emperor hadrian the second century who devised this term um because Romans had control of Syria and the land to the south, and they, they considered southern uh, Syria, but then they decided to make it uh, Syria Palestinea. The Palestine, uh, or the term Philistine, relates to the Philistines uh, and the coastal area, uh, the Aegean people that came in. Um, and it was an enemy of Israel, which is why it was used that way to, to, uh, as a derogatory term to give the the name of Israel's greatest enemy of the past, make the land uh, that. Uh, so that was sort of an evil thing in, in of itself. And then it was unfortunate then because that became part of classical uh, understanding uh, through Romans that you had Christians adopted, and we'll talk about Palestine in the time of Jesus or Palestine in the time of David hmm. or Palestinian covenant, you mean, because it became... When, when there wasn't a land of Israel per se recognized as a political entity, the, the, the Jewish people were somewhere uh, out there, and they were they were the sons of Israel, or they were the Israelites, or whatever you want to call them, but they were not yet Israelis in the land of Israel because it didn't exist again. Uh, when it did, then that created a new political reality, which also was a new geographical reality. Yeah. So, when we're looking for Palestine today. Where is it? Is it? It's in Gaza and the West Bank, but um, you know, right? No, I get it. It reminds me of, uh, and I mentioned this last week when I was talking to Pete Garcia. So, if you've listened, if those of you that have listened to that interview, forgive me for being repetitious. But my kids will tell you I do repeat the same jokes. But I'm sure you've heard the joke about the uh, Israeli representative at the UN who stood up to make some remarks. And he said, before I begin my talk, I want to tell you something about Moses. When he struck the rock and it brought forth water, he thought, what a good opportunity to have a bath. So he took off his clothes, put the uh, uh, put them aside on a rock and, and jumped in the water. And when he got out to get dressed, his clothes were gone and a Palestinian had stole them. Well, about that time, a Palestinian representative jumped up furiously in front of the UN and shouted, what are you talking about? The Palestinians weren't there then. And the Israeli representative smiled and said, and now that we have made that clear, I will begin my speech. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's uh, so I guess, obviously, it sounds like uh, and that's very interesting, the background there that it never was a neutral term. But, uh, you know, it it it's all, you know, words do change with meaning. And certainly when theologians in the middle of the 20th century were referring to 
Palestine, they weren't intending for it to have an evil connotation. They were just adopting a what had become a cultural norm, which is to refer to Palestine as a, a geographic region. We almost use the Rari Study Bible, and that uses the term Palestine throughout, mm-hmm. as well as right. in the map. So I think um, what I was trying to get out, and, and this is something you've already mentioned, politics aside, this is all a religious conflict, all a spiritual conflict. When you talk to Hamas, their charter itself says this is not a national issue, it is, it is not a political issue, it is first and foremost a religious issue. And when they attacked, uh, the day after the attack, the Hamas leaders were saying, this is, uh, we have liberated Jerusalem. This is for the liberation of Jerusalem. And they called this the Jerusalem uh, deluge. And you go, what does Jerusalem have to do with it? It has everything to do with it. Okay? Because in the Islamic world, Jerusalem uh, is where Muhammad ascended to heaven. It was considered a Islamic holy site. Uh, they contend that with the state of Israel and now since 67, Jerusalem coming under the sovereignty of the state of Israel, that uh, this Islamic holy site is under siege. Hmm. The result is that it has to be liberated or free. So we have the Al-Aqsa Intifada, which started uh, when Ara Sharon set foot on the Temple Mount in the year 2000. That's continuing. Um, it's why you have you have Turkey uh, saying that you have uh, Erdogan is saying that uh, every day that Jerusalem is under the occupation of the Zionists is an insult to him. Mm. What is he's over in Turkey? Uh, the Iranians have said the same thing. They have they produced a film a number of years ago about an Iranian attack uh, on Jerusalem to, to liberate, it. and they talk about this uh, continually. Um, I thought it was very interesting. <laughs> there, there's a report actually when Putin went to Israel. He's made several trips to Israel and he prayed at the Western Wall. Someone asked him what he was praying about. He talked to him, he said he was praying for the rebuilding of the temple. Mm-hmm. That's an odd report, but it's it's documented. It's, it's actually on film. Uh, and I don't know that he's speaking that in a necessarily a positive way. But Throughout the Middle East and their allies, uh, Jerusalem is the axis of this whole situation. And that's what this is about. Mm-hmm. So th- then you have to ask, well, then why all the butchery and the, the, the testable things that we've heard about in the news? That's all part of the same story. Muhammad said in three places in the Quran, uh, your enemies, you're to chop off their heads and chop off their hands. Um and that's all they're doing is following suit. When you talk about Jews, Jews are not human beings. Humans uh, are uh, created by Allah, but the Jews were cursed by Allah and turned into apes and pigs. Mm. And so on a genetic level, they are not human. And how do you treat animals like that? You butcher them, uh, you cut their necks, you cut their heads off. That's why you've seen this with ISIS uh, more dramatically, but you've seen it now again with Hamas. It's all all part of the same thing. Uh, one of the people who attacked did on the video, um, he showed piles of bodies behind him and told his parents, mm. I know you'll be proud of me now. You know, I, I killed 10 Jews. Mm. Uh, mm. This is this kind of thing is indoctrination that starts at the earliest ages 
uh, that are taught that Jews are apes and pigs. They are enemies. They are to be treated that way. Um, and and uh, that has to be understood as part of Islam, as part of this religious conflict. Uh, we call these people who did this animals, and uh, like they don't know what they're... No, they're not animals. They go home and embrace their kids and uh, take care of them, bring them toys, take mm -hmm. care of their grandmothers, just like they, they burned to death and, and decapitated the, the infants and old mm -hmm. people. Uh, someone in the academic institution has called this reinforcing shared pathology. People who are treated like animals act like animals. Mm -hmm. We're trying to get a moral equivalency going, uh, trying to say that when you have people who've been oppressed and persecuted. But again, that's why at the beginning said, since 2005, uh, Gaza was never the Palestinians. And when it became the Palestinians, it, it, there was autonomy given to them, and they had complete control of things. If there's any suffering on behalf of those in Gaza, it's been at the hands of their own government. Of Hamas, yeah. Yeah. And in, in, in a survey that was done in, in 2021, the latest one I saw, was that 64% of the of the Gazans still actively supported Hamas. So no matter how bad their conditions have been, by the way, they're more the conditions are worse in one part of the country than the other. You've ever seen Gaza, it's it's beachfront property. It's the Israelis built beautiful hotels there and left those hotels to the Palestinians. Uh, it's got all kind of resources. It could be a, a it could be a, a beautiful place. Yeah, but the, the infrastructure they have no water, electricity of their own. That's been supplied in a humanitarian way by the Israelis ever since two thousand five. Yeah, I want to I want to ask a couple more questions here, if I may. Uh, one about Turkey and Erdogan, uh, but you know I couldn't help but think you know how when you mentioned that statistic, uh, sixty something percent of people in Gaza Strip still support Hamas. You know, I guess we shouldn't be surprised about that because fifty percent of Americans still support the Democrats. So who, who's who's to say why people support uh, who they support? But you talk about moral equivalency. I remember, uh, in fact, when we first met, I was teaching at the College of Biblical Studies and. Back in 2001, when 9-11 happened, I remember a lot of academicians and pundits were saying that might, in in retrospect, people might look back to that and say that marked the end of the postmodern mindset because in the immediate aftermath of it, everyone, no matter how progressive or liberal or whatever your viewpoint was, everyone was calling the acts of those uh, 19 hijackers evil. And uh, and they so and whereas in the past, you know, evil was sort of in the eye of the beholder. There wasn't universal evil, but it seemed like in that moment, everybody could agree that that was evil. And I think we saw in the immediate aftermath of October 7th, some of the same type of initial reaction. But boy, it didn't take long, did it for all the news outlets and everybody out there to start blaming Israel for you know some of the some of this, and you know, uh, which is unheard of. Now, uh, let me let me ask you this though, and and you can plead the fifth if you want. But is it hypothetically possible, and not notwithstanding the fact that Israel is the the uh, victim here, and these Hamas terrorists, as you described, are just doing horrific things? We've all seen it. We've seen the video clips. We've heard the firsthand accounts. 
But in terms of how this could happen, you mentioned you know all the reasons this was such a, a high-valued date for Hamas. And yesterday, Tom Hughes mentioned that you know they there's now reports, credible reports coming out that this was in the works for two years. This wasn't just a spur of the moment. Oh, let's decide today to do it. They've been playing this for two years. Is it possible? And we may never know till we all get to heaven and look back on it. But is it possible that there was some inside knowledge by some rogue elements within the Israeli leadership? I mean, we all understand that Israel is not perfect. There are, just like America is not perfect, there are some bad cats in key positions there that, you know, may not serve Israel's best interest or may not serve America's best interest. Is that even hypothetically possible? Or what, what do you think? I wrestle with that because I've heard all the conspiracies. It's the same thing with the 9-11 on our end that, uh, you know, the Bush regime and others are behind it. We brought down our, you know, we sent the 9-11 terrorists uh, like Osama bin Laden out of the United States the day after, all, all, all kinds of things. I mean, you hear it. I've heard it that um, the Israelis allowed this for whatever agenda is there. Uh, all I know is that I know some of the people in, in the leadership. I know um, some of their family members, too. I know Judaism today, uh, even though it is not biblical Judaism, uh, the state of Israel existed as the only refuge for the Jewish people in the world. Uh, they consider the whole world anti-Semitic. The only place that was, you found safety was in the land of Israel. They value that. They have prized uh, themselves on developing uh, a defense for the Jewish people because they never had that wherever they were, and now they do. Um, it, it just seems unimaginable that anyone uh, could turn against their own people within the state of Israel. Outside, we know there are a lot of Jew haters that are Jews. I mean, they're, they're, they're self-hating. They do things, especially a lot of the liberals uh, because of the multiculturalism, pluralism, and all the things they they um, they don't want to identify uh, in certain ways, but within the state of Israel, it's a very different mentality. I mean, I've lived there; I've been in and out of that place for the last forty years. Uh, as I say, I know a lot of people. I just know the mentality. It seems very hard for me to accept that. Yeah. Um, well, I, 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 I would give it a little more, um, I, I'd tell people research a little more deep before they believe it, because, you know, one of the things about um, deception is that people don't take the pains to get at the truth of things, they believe the first thing they hear, and we shouldn't do that, we should be, we should be diligent to be Right. No, absolutely. Yeah. And I appreciate your statement. I value your input extremely highly. I guess I would say that, you know, we don't know, but it certainly, you know, I've studied this stuff for, for you know, 17 years, going down a deep dive. I mean, traveled, been boots on the ground, studied all of it. And for example, with 9-11, most of my listeners, if you've read my stuff, you know that I absolutely believe there were really 19 hijackers that really wanted to brutally murder American citizens and get all these virgins in heaven. But there's a whole lot more to it than that. And the facts speak for themselves for those who take the time to study it. So it's a question of which conspiracy are you going to believe? Are you going to believe you know, the official conspiracy, according to which a dialysis patient living in a cave, along with 19, you know, box cutting, wielding 
20-something-year-olds managed to defeat the mightiest military in the world and, and fly with impunity for two and a half hours on a bright, sunny day? Or do you believe some of these other far-fetched uh, you know, conspiracies? Uh, but somewhere in the midst of all of it is the truth. So since you mentioned uh, the, the quote 9-11 conspiracy, I just wanted to clarify because I'll get emails from my listeners because they know my my stand on that. I think there's laws of physics. There's incontrovertible smoking gun evidences that there was more to it than just the simple official narrative. In fact, six of the 10 9-11 commission report members that wrote the 9-11 commission report now say that there was inside elements to that job. But uh, back to um, to Israel, I guess the, the t- challenge becomes which is more plausible that with all of the defense systems and intelligence systems and military might, uh, really second to none anywhere in the world, and especially on a day of heightened significance, would they be asleep at the wheel? Or all it takes is one bad cat, you know? So we don't know. I really, really respect your viewpoint. And in fact, I'm inclined to agree with you based on just your own personal uh, vibe. I agree with you that there is a global conspiracy that the evil one has an agenda. He's moving and uh, all these people, uh, sometimes unwittingly by them, sometimes they're certainly bought into his agenda. Uh, And these things are happening and it's happening in Israel. You see a lot of Jewish people uh, by birth who are in conspiracies in high places, uh, a lot of the ones doing this are. Uh, that doesn't mean, you know, the old um, idea of the the protocols of design or something right. like this. Totally false, yeah. No, but yeah. it does mean that there are people, uh, I mean, Jews bought into a liberal uh, hierarchy a long time ago because they thought the, the old liberals stood for... Um, the underdog, for the underprivileged, for the dispossessed, for the marginal, and they saw themselves in that that place. So they were going to be, they were going to be Democrats or liberals or whatever, and just stayed there. They don't have any personal faith. Uh, their religion is kind of uh, like like Catholicism in one sense. I mean, once you're in the club, you're there. Uh, you don't have to do anything else, and uh, it lulls them into spiritual insensitivity. So that that's what you find a lot in the United States. While they tend to block, devote democratically as a block, they don't, don't think about the issues. Uh, but at the same time, when you talk about the situation with uh, Kafar Aza, right there next to Gaza, this kibbutz, uh, the the fence between them and the, and Gaza was one of the most sophisticated ever developed. I mean, it, it had every kind of uh, alert system, every kind. It was supposed to be impregnable. Yeah, that's right. what they were That's what they believed. Uh, and they breached it. And then it wasn't easy for them to breach it. They breached it using cyber things as well as other things. So, um, I mean, we don't know. We don't have access to facts. I'm, I'm like you and many others. We're outsiders to this. We don't know Absolutely. what's going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's a great, a great point. Uh, because in the in the uh, Bible prophecy world, as well as in the broader conspiracy world, you come across a lot of people who who are replacement theologians. They don't have a dispensational sensitivity to God's word, the literal, grammatical, historical aspect. And, you know, things like this, Protocols of the Elders of Zion, which is a completely fabricated, 
patently false, provably false uh, conspiracy. They lock into that and you got guys out there and I, I hesitate to call names, but th this guy's been so vehement lately that I feel like it's worth mentioning his name. And I've met him, by the way, and that's Chuck Baldwin. Uh, Chuck Baldwin's out there just ranting against Israel and anybody who loves Israel and Israel's the tip of the spear of this conspiracy to take over the world and there is no rapture and, and and I'm sure he's a nice guy like I said I've met him I've been in his church I years ago when he was running for president in 2012 I had him on my program as the constitutional party uh, candidate and I respect a lot of the things that he does but he's just really out there leading the charge, and he's not alone, uh, of this Israeli conspiracy. And that's not at all what I'm even remotely talking about. I'm just trying to think about this from geopolitically. And, and like you said, we don't know. It was either a colossal intelligence failure, which is certainly possible, or it was uh, somebody on the inside that kind of helped it happen. Who knows? Uh, but the bottom line is Israel is under uh, attack. And the, the the world, and particularly America, needs to come to their defense. Uh, I want to ask you about Turkey. I mentioned that earlier. Uh, boy, Erdogan, I mean, the stuff that he's been doing uh, with Ukraine and now with, with Israel and the comments that he's been making, and I have a couple of comments of his in my new book, uh, Spirit of the False Prophet, Rise of the Global Technocracy. I mean, how long do you think Turkey, and I'm asking you to speculate here, I know, but how long do you think Turkey's going to stay with NATO? I mean, what what's your gut? It's hard to say. I mean, just today, uh, Erdogan called for, uh, offered himself to help bring some sort of peaceful reconciliation, mm. which is interesting, you know, that he would do that. Um, and in one sense, I hope something like that's possible, despite all of the, the, the passion we have over all this and the what collective punishment we want to see happen and all of this. Uh, we're in a very precarious place. I mean, you know, you everybody's heard things, but if if we become a co-belligerent and and Turkey, uh, let's leave Turkey out for the moment. Let's say we we decide to attack Iran. That's a lot of the rhetoric we hear coming out of the White House. Iran is no small player. Iran is probably one of the most I mean, advanced missile systems, uh, cyber warfare. I mean, even though we had sanctions, although the, the sanctions just hurt the people. They didn't affect the politics of the people who were doing stuff. And they, they've been working hard at this. We don't know where they are in terms of their atomic development. Uh, there's a lot of things we don't know. But they're, they're very formidable. And uh, and they support Hezbollah. Hezbollah uh, has, along with Hamas, has large operations in Mexico. And our borders have been open <laughs> for so long. We don't know what's going on here. We know we have sleeper cells all throughout the U.S. Mm. A lot of stuff's going to get kicked into place here. We're going to get involved in a regional war. Then Turkey has no choice but to get involved. And Russia has no choice but to get involved. Okay, mm. they, There's no way that Russia is going to let uh, their, their allies, uh, Iran and Turkey, uh, come against Israel and the U.S. without being involved. And, and, and Russia is probably at the, the the best place it's been since the 1980s. It's stronger than it's ever been. Uh, we're weaker than we've ever been. You know, our military is, is second rate, and all of our military stocks have been sunk into Ukraine. 
And a lot of our leadership in the military is woke now. You know, it, it's it's just amazing. I've I've had guests on and talked to folks firsthand that are in active duty and the stuff that's going on with the transgender movement and the way uh, you know uh, they're 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 not they're saying you can't even say sir yes sir anymore. You know, it's just stuff like that. These are you know wearing dresses and it's just you're exactly right, Doctor Price. We are at our worst. You know, when we look at our educational system uh, for the last several decades and how. It's become Marxist and everything else, but its its agenda has been a revisionist history of the world, not just the United States. That's why all of a sudden, when we never thought we had anti-Semitism here, might have been somewhere else, and you saw you see what's happening all across our country. These these protests eruption erupting on the major campuses, um, and they justify totally what Hamas has done. They either refuse to believe it or they justify it with the moral equivalency thing, mm-hmm. uh, or whatever. And it's anti-Semitism, kill the Jews, you see this, you see that. Uh, I mean, it's amazing what's out there. Um, what's that result of? Well, we have, we talk about millennials, not so much, but the Generation Z, you know, Y and Z and some of these. Um, they don't approach things the way people our age do. We we start from more an objective analysis of facts. They start with feelings. They care about the feelings of other people. And so they immediately look at a, a persecuted underdog and support them no matter what. And if older people say something else, well, that's, you know, the old white guys in charge. You don't have to listen to them. Uh, it's, it's all going to be propaganda. Uh, they're... Their professors have told them this, and this is what they have been indoctrinated in. So, and these are the people that, if you can get them to join the military or who are in the military, this is who are there. They've never, we've not seen any kind of engagement uh, in fighting uh, in decades here. So, we don't have an army that's trained or prepared, psychological or otherwise, for real war. Plus, I read a statistic the other day that 70% of our military is overweight or obese. That's kind of an interesting thing, how you're going to get these guys to yeah. get in tunnels and fight people and all of that. So uh, so I'm just saying, what we're prophetically, we, we have the background of Gog and Magog in Ezekiel 38-39. We know that the players are Russia and Iran and Turkey and probably uh, Libya, if you want to say put, is that put also included Yemen in the old days, and, and Yemen and the Houthis are attacking uh, Israel right now. Uh, I mean, if all these people get involved, and then you bring in uh, sleeper cells or whatever's happening in the United States to undermine us, and with the things that are happening, let's say you don't have the Suez Canal. You don't have the Straits of Camus. We have no oil coming in. It's not going to be long. And we, we've depleted our oil reserves. I mean, no drilling. No, we're, we're going to be in bad shape. We're not going to be much of anything. And one thing I see when I talk about prophetically God and may God, it looks to me like there's no Western defense for Israel at all. There's a vacuum of power that's been created that allows these people the boldness to attack. Right. Simon and uh so you know you've always said you have to get rid of the great satan before you can attack the little satan 
And I think that could happen. The rapture could be a part of that as well, bringing out a lot of people, causing chaos, but uh, we're yeah. causing our own. Yeah, you know, a lot of us have been talking about that scenario for years. I know Joel Skousen, for example, has been out there for more than 20 years uh, talking about it. It's speculation. It's educated, reasoned speculation, but it is just speculation. We get that. But it does seem like uh, this is playing out exactly like a lot of people have thought, which is that somehow the U.S. would be drawn into necessarily a war involving Israel, defending Israel as we should. And the minute we do that, whether we have to strike first, you know, preemptively or whether we are defensively responding to something Iran does. But the minute that happens, it is going to erupt into a global conflagration. And then you, all the things that you so eloquently just described about America, which makes us, you know, really susceptible to a collapse. Uh, you've got the economy. We didn't mention that, but you got the whole economic aspect of it. You've got, well, you sort of did with the reference to oil, but you've got you have so many weak spots right now that I really believe that if the Lord doesn't intervene and, you know, we know the other part of this is we know from their own writings, and, and I talk about this in Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 2, I have a whole chapter on the timeline, the, the Luciferian timeline, from their own writings, this decade has been their target for over 100 years, the 2020s. They've talked about it in their writings, particularly 2025. You've got the 21st century movement in 1992 with Rio and Agenda 21. You've got Agenda 2030. Uh, you've got uh, all of these things coming together, the Great Reset. So that doesn't mean it's going to happen, of course, because God's the ultimate uh, timetable, uh, arbiter of the timetable. But it just seems like a lot of things are happening with biblical, uh, biblically prophetic significance. And I think folks need to be uh, need to be ready. But I, I do feel like that you know, if Israel does something that ultimately provokes Israel, I mean, provokes Iran, and I don't see how they how Iran doesn't get involved in this. It's really hard for me to see a way out without this becoming Iran, I mean, overtly involved. We know they're already involved behind the scenes with Hezbollah and funding Hamas. But if that happens, I mean, we've got more troops. NATO has more uh, carrier groups in the Mediterranean now than ever ever before in history. Uh, China's sending six ships over right now. And by the way, we haven't even mentioned Southeast Asia, but while all this is going on with potentially with Russia and Iran and Israel and the United States, you know, keep your eyes on North Korea and China. Who knows what they might try to do in the fog of war? Israel is also a big supplier of weapons to Hamas. Uh, North Korea is, yeah. North Korea is, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, Dr. Price, we've been talking with Dr. Randall Price. I know he's got another interview coming up, so I'm going to uh, wrap it up here. But I, I can't tell you how grateful we are for your insight. It it, it comes with great uh, weight because of your background, your education, and your firsthand knowledge. So we we really appreciate your insight. And uh, I just want to end with uh, uh, where we started with the Psalm 72, uh, a reminder that someday his name shall endure forever. His name shall continue as long as the sun. Men shall be blessed in him, and all nations shall call him blessed. I know it's hard to see at a time when, when there's so many enemies who absolutely hate Israel and hate Christians, but uh, you know, a better day is coming. Any closing thoughts, Dr. Price? Well, that psalm, I'm looking at it too. It says, blessed be his name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen. That we need to keep before us because there's always a dark before the dawn. Mm. But the dawn is coming, and the one who we're not looking for 
you know, what is coming, but who is coming. Amen. He's the one that will resolve all of this. Amen. Well, I sure appreciate you. Uh, we were actually together when the war started uh, that weekend at Prophecy Watchers, and I was so thankful to have you and others there to kind of give us some immediate visceral response to what's happening based on your 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 framework. So uh, thanks for being with us. We'll have you back on again if, you, if you're willing. We'd love to talk. I'd love to have you on to talk about the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, you know, we went to dinner with your wife and, and with Wendy, and and we were talking about that around the dinner table. And I would love to pass on a conversation like that to our audience. So, uh, can we have you back on again sometime? Okay, thanks. All right, absolutely. Well, thank you very much, folks. Thanks for listening. Uh, don't forget tonight we've got our premier membership Zoom meeting at uh, 7 p.m. Central Time. That's a Tuesday, October 24th tonight. If you're not a premier member, uh, check it out at notbyworks.org. Click on the store button and you can learn all about it. But all kinds of extra content and privileges and uh, mainly the uh, the free uh, Zoom Q&A session. So I'm really looking forward to that uh, tonight. But don't forget, we've got uh, more coming up this week with Bill Salas on Thursday, John Haller on Friday. We'll continue to talk about what in the world is going on over there with Israel. Thank you very much, everyone. God bless you.